Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once all entrusted to God's holy people. Welcome to another episode of Standing Firm Defenders of Faith. This is an exciting episode because we actually have everyone here today. All of the co-hosts are here today. So we have David Chandler, Darian Eaton, and GT Hawkins on the phone, and we are going to talk to them about fatherhood today. So we want to really delve into that, what it means and what's happening today in terms of fatherhood and whether people are valuing the role and the responsibility as they should. So we're going to start with David and we'll just do a round robin and then go to Darian and then GT. So David, what are your thoughts? Uh, Well, my thoughts are uh, that God holds the family in high regard. Matter of fact, he instituted family structure for the church, and uh, I, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to start, uh, well, I'm going to start at verse 1, and then I'm going to skip all the way to verse 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment of the promise, that it, will, that it may be well with thou man is long upon Verse 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that is pretty pertinent and says that, Paul says that ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, how do you, what is wrath? First of all, but wrath is, is extreme anger, uh, rage. And we, we have a lot of children today growing up with these problems because fathers are around. The father has provoked these, these children to wrath. Well, how do you do that? Well, you provoke them to wrath by not being there. And in the um, abuse and irresponsibility. And I'm going to focus on that for just a few minutes and then I'm going to turn it over to Darian uh, because he is a father. Uh, is uh, a good one at that. So, so God created the family structure, and it's important to note that God placed blessing. God bestowed the blessing on the on the, on the man and the woman, the wife, the husband, marriage relationship, the marriage bed, and out of that comes children. Out of that comes the um, the blessing of having children, providing for children, uh, there's, and, and there's no shame in that. But nowadays, we have the advent of feminism, the advent of 
free love, free sex movement, the advent of the post-rock and roll era, pretty much started way back in this, going into the late 50s, going into the 60s, that pretty much destroyed that. And so going into the 70s and the 80s, we had uh, fruit of the love, free love, free sex generation, that uh, counter-cultural movement, the do what thou wilt era, you know, that Aleister Crowley said that the family is public enemy number one. And so he said that because uh, a lot of Satanists believe that indulgence, which means they want to just sleep with whomever they want to sleep with, no matter who it was. So that was the result of the fatherless generation. The fatherless generation started, I think, about the mid-1970s. And we saw um, symptoms of that during the 80s, uh, more and more black children were being uh, raised in single mother households. But the home was more matriarchal. The father was being removed from the home. And a lot of your political uh, your politics, your, your politicians rather, incentivized that, made, started making laws taking the man from the home. They told the woman that if you were to receive all of these governmental incentives, you have to take the man out of the home. And again, as a result, we found we find that in the drugs, drugs, um, music encouraged uh, free sex. Uh, and then, the, of course, the rap came later, rap and hip hop. And it had gotten worse over the years. Um, never heard anything about baby mamas, baby daddies, like 20, 30 years later. And uh, television and Hollywood and the entertainment industry started to really foster that and put that in, in, in adults' heads, saying that uh, you can have random sex with anyone because it's all about freedom, all about mm -hmm. living your own life, uh, the idea of doing you uh, became popular. And so as a result of that, we had four children born out of the box, 73% in the black community, 35% in the white community. Uh, and I think it's around the same amount in the Hispanic uh, population. And I'm seeing more of that. I've seen those numbers jump up as years go by. Uh, especially within uh, the white community, you see more and more children, white children, born out of out of wedlock because, uh, and, and the problem is a little different with white women. White women they are divorcing their husbands more frequently uh, because of marital infidelity, uh, irresponsibility, and uh, finances or uh, abuse, things of that sort. So, and we have the advent of blended families now. We have a blended family. And a blended family is basically when a woman or a man uh, gets remarried and has children with his new wife. And so uh, we have more of those in white, in white families. 
families, like suburbanite families. Uh, black families, on the other hand, uh, we perceive a reduction in marriage, relationships and marriages. And we see more and more young black men not getting married, not having children, uh, or professional black men, as opposed to a lot of black women who are not getting married or having children at a higher rate. Uh, they're not going to college. They're not even graduating from high school. Uh, I've seen this in my own life where uh, more and more young women are having children. And uh, so, so let me get into the uh, symptoms or the problems or the fruit of having uh, relationships outside of the marriage bed. Uh, we see this in First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter six. Uh, let me turn there real quick. First uh, Corinthians chapter six. Okay, okay. Chapter six, verse eighteen. It says, "Flee from this apostle Paul." fornication, every sin that a man doeth is within, without the body. Now notice Paul makes a distinction between every other sin. Notice every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now there's this distinction, and you hear a lot of people within the church, a lot of Christians in particular, they say that, um, well, sin is sin, and it's all equal. Well, Paul disagrees because Paul makes a clear distinction between every other sin that a man commits that's outside of his body, which is murder, uh, theft, uh, things of that sort, lying. And uh, but he says that every man that commits fornication or sexual sin sinneth against own body. Well, what does it mean to sin against one's own body? Well, since the free love, free sex uh, generation of the 60s, well, since free love and free sex, the whole do what thou will philosophy became popular during the 60s, and free drugs, all of that, we had 20 years later, and this is only 20 years after that, during the 80s, we had the advent of age. And I think you gave us a really good overview of everything resulting in what happens when things are done outside of marriage. Um, and that's a very deep and extensive conversation that I think we're going to touch on a lot more in other shows as well. So I was wondering if we can talk about fatherhood specifically and... Um, Maybe we could jump to Darian quickly, and then we'll get back to David. All right. Thanks, Candice. Um, so fatherhood specifically is to be in relation to the child, the progenitor, the male progenitor. And so in my personal opinion, you have two types of fathers. So you have fathers that, A, have had children, and they raised them 
paternally nurturing them and bringing them into fruition as adults with them as their head guidance. Then you also have fathers who have created offspring and kind of are in the wind. And so, as David was talking about earlier, as a father, specifically a Christian father, a father is of the utmost importance. So, you have a husband and a wife, and they have children. And to me, in my personal opinion, a father is the person who um, kind of sets the the benchmark for as their children get older on what it a looks like to be a man and for your daughter what it looks like to um deal with men outside of the home in terms of parents so when my i have five daughters and so when my children get older the prerequisite for finding a mate will be somebody that has specific qualities so my person my personal opinion is they must provide which coincides with biblical scripture a male must provide i'm not saying he has to be wealthy he just needs to provide that doesn't just mean financially which too often people uh, um make the main thing what needs to be the main thing is provisions mentally physically and emotionally as as well as fiscally. So my children need to be able to get to the point where, okay, I know what it looks like to see an active male in the house, what he did, what he does. He worked, he provided for my mother. He gave uh, uh, um, wisdom. He helped groom me for success. He bore fruit. And so too often fathers, um, as David said earlier, are in the wind, they, especially in the black communities, which is not limited to black communities, but just there are a lot of people in this day and age who have produced offspring and have been um, not around. And just to answer the question to me, again, a father, a biblical father is a man who provides care and protection and there's a priest of the home because that's an important thing. And so I don't want to talk too long, but that's just my opening synopsis as to what a father is. I love it. Really good. GT, what is a father to you? What is your belief on what a father is or should be? I, I heard the majority of uh, everything, just the end portion of David's uh, introduction. I didn't, uh, I didn't catch it, but for the most part, those scriptures that I heard, um, Ephesians, you know, train up a child in the way they should go and they should not depart from it. So, you know, my analogy or, or my perception of what a father is pretty much literally based off what the scriptures say. Do exactly like every single scripture that refers to how you're supposed to raise up a child. Uh, and there's also another part in Proverbs that says, um, uh, you know, discipline your children oftentimes and don't, uh, despair because of their, uh, because of their current crime. So I've, I've experienced that. Now, 
not to say that I was perfect as trying to be a father, but I was trying to do my best to be a father. And so, you know, as fathers, we have to find that middle ground if, you, you know what I'm saying, if you don't, if you haven't found it already. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a good father to me uh, that I'm trying to build myself or the example that I'm trying to build myself upon is what, is what the scriptures say. Uh, but we have to use discernment and how to apply these things, especially when we're talking about children, because I am guilty of being a little too extreme on the discipline side with my son. My poor is my poor Israel. Uh, I feel I feel for him, but you know, um, he came out unscathed. You know what I'm saying? He's good. Our relationship uh, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, as you, and this is especially for, well, this is for any father, but, you know, especially in the, in the body of Christ, you know, there's, you're going to continue to learn as you grow, as your children grow, as you grow with your children, because everybody's getting older in these families, and you watch your kids grow up. So, uh, I've had the pleasure of doing that. You see, my, my son is 14, so. Uh, you have some other situations where you, you have fathers who are not with the kid's mother and those fathers, though they don't have the, the the ability to be with those kids as much as they want to, they still mm-hmm. they're still in their lives. They're, so, they're still a presence. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, to me, that's a father, you know? Yeah. And So that's that's just my perception. And I really, all of your perspectives are very important. And and from the male side to hear how important the role is, uh, you know, you all understand the importance and you all are living it, you know, Um, for those of you who are fathers and David, you know, at the point when you become a father, you'll also just fit right into the role. And for me as a woman, you know, who's had a father who's been very present in my life, who's been an excellent example, it's important for women to see this. You, It's important to see your father showing you the way that you're supposed to be treated as a woman. And, um, and what I mean by that is how your father interacts with your mother and mm-hmm. Um, shows that he cares for her and cares for you and the family and provides and protects and shelters. And like you said, everything that you all said, give guidance, give wisdom, um, advice, and is literally just there. You know that you can pick up the phone. You know that you can run to your dad and he'll be there to help you in whatever way possible that is extremely important especially for a woman to see so she can know what to expect and what to look for um this is exactly what you need to look for when you're looking for a mate someone who is going to be there and show you and protect you and teach you and guide you and all of those type of things so it's a very important conversation to have. And I know in this new age, and David was talking about that, how the family dynamics are so different. You have 
blended families, you have people who don't have that role model or father figure there, you can still make it work. I don't think that God will ever leave a way for you not to be able to get back to him, but it will take a lot of work. And I think it you have to get back to biblical principles if you really want it to work. So what are your recommendations for people who find themselves in situations that are not exactly as the Bible intended? Um, how do you get back to being God-centered and focused with your families in these different and unique situations? And I guess we could do around Robin again. So we'll start with David and just go around. Oh, well, thank you. And I I promise not to be too long-winded. Well, my first recommendation, not recommendation, but biblical recommendation actually, is to uh, go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. And it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. That's a parallel to Ephesians six chapter uh, chapter six verse four, and too many fathers do this. They leave their children, they abandon them, and so their children are provoked anger. So, my recommendations, of course, being biblical as well. Uh, the first thing I will say, as a parent, uh, you have to be able to communicate biblical information in a concise way that your children can understand. That's your fundamental groundwork right there. You got to start on a solid foundation, but you got to do it in a way where it's not overbearing, where they reject. And it's not, there's not enough information where they don't understand the proper context and how to operate. So the key is finding a balance of biblical uh, um, fundamentals in terms of how children need to be raised and reared uh, and nurtured, but they come to you for feedback so that they can make adjustments. And Mm -hmm. by my children being 10 and under, I give them just enough opportunities to try things on their own so they can fail, so that they can make mistakes. So as they become young adults, they will know what works and what doesn't. And it's not just, hey, mom and dad said, or dad put his foot down, but they were able to see the biblical foundation, realize that, hey, the reason why I don't hang with these type of people is because they don't produce this, the the type of fruit that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. My second recommendation is to always be transparent with your children. I mean, Use wisdom. You know, certain things you're not going to just, you know, if you got children under 13 and you think you're going to be rated all with them, that's not wisdom. I'm saying uh, using that, using wisdom when you break things down and, and show them things. And my third recommendation is, yes, we are Christian men. Yes, we have a standard that we need to uphold. But we don't have to be so heavily minded that we don't do any earthly good. Like, let me let me let me explain. Okay. Sometimes when you deal with people, especially children, 
and you bust them over here with the Bible for everything, every little thing. I mean, you can use biblical principles without force feeding scripture down their throat. I can quote scripture without quoting scripture, if that makes sense. Yes. The Bible says not to steal, but I'm not going to proverbs X, Y, Z, and then ram, ram Psalms or Romans or anything down their throat. I can teach biblical principles without going chapter and verse. Do I want my children to learn chapter and verse? Yes, but it's a time and a place. You got to be wise. Sometimes hitting them bobble, 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 bobble makes them rebel from the Bible. All my parents did was preach to me. I wanted them to keep it real with me, not knowing that the Bible is keeping it real. Yeah. But you still need to be able to communicate. Uh, there's the thing. It's funny because when you write your resumes and things like that, you need to be able to convey technical things to non-technical people in a way that they understand. You see yeah. what I mean? So scripture to me is the same way. Not everyone is going to understand Romans chapter 5 verse 8 saying it that way when I could just take that same scripture and, and uh, uh, as a baby bird gets regurgitated food I can break it down into yeah. a way that's palatable for them you, you understand what I mean yes. so there, there's this disconnect between adults and children in this day and age and it was it's probably been like that for, for years where there's this big chasm or canyon between an adult parent, specifically a father, and then a child that's 12 or 10 or 8. Because they don't think that we've been around, like we, we're so far removed from what's going on that they can't, we can't relate to them and we don't understand what they're going through, which on the contrary is there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. You just have to find a middle ground where your children can see that what you're saying is the is facts sometimes sometimes when kids uh my kids listen to me they like wow my father's actually cooler than i thought he was it's not because i was never cool because to be honest <laughs> i don't want to be prideful or anything i'm just saying that I, i've been around the block a few times but you know when it comes with comes down to trends and things i understand what's going on in the real world like, I'm not going to use a 1965 uh, uh, vernacular with a person that's that was born in 2010. Yeah. Because it's just not, just, it's, there's going to be a huge disconnect. So, again, my major three things is biblical foundation. You got to lay it down. Secondly, you got to have that communicational bond where your kids can understand you. And thirdly, you have to be flexible in terms of how you communicate with them because those things are what make a healthy relationship. You gotta have those relationships. That's deep. Wow, Darian. Thanks. GT, do you have anything to add on to that? Uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, very, I mean, these are two very good perspectives and the only thing I can do is tell you from experience um, and what I would recommend. Uh, I was, like I, like I said earlier, I was a little hard on my son. 
but as far as word, uh, he enjoyed that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And as fathers, you know what I'm saying? That I, I believe that is the number one thing to do is to teach your children the word of God. As far as what Darian was saying, we have to communicate in a concise way uh, so that they will understand. On that approach, I had what was called a free, uh, a freestyle type of Bible study. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it would be based upon what he brought home from school as far as his science class is concerned. And what I would do is show him the scientific perspective from the biblical perspective and show how they match up because, you know, science is just the observation of the physical world. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty, plenty of scientific statements inside of the Bible. So, uh, you know, that would turn into a, a, a short 15 minute, 20 minute Bible study. You know, uh, those were one way, one way, uh, that was one way, one of many ways that I would have a Bible study with him. Um, Proverbs, I encourage, I encourage, I encourage Proverbs mm. if you can on, on a daily basis because I promise you. It may it may seem as if uh, you know what I'm saying it, it it's redundant in, in in a sense, but every time you go you start over uh, you start over at chapter one. It's one key verse that says this: even the wise can add to their learning. So proverb touches so many uh, facets in, of life that you you no one is gonna uh, at this point in time, be able to master the whole book of Proverbs as to its overall meaning. But you got so many sources out there to help yourself understand what some of the Proverbs uh, meant. Because, uh, because some of them are hard to understand for their cultural background basis. But not staying away from the point, uh, I do recommend pro- a proverbial reading every day. Every day. Because it's 31 proverbs and it's 31 days and some months, so it, it seems like it works out perfectly. Wow. Um, let's see uh, another recommendation: be be very gentle with your kids because children's feelings can be hurt very bad mm. and, and, and very severely. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, don't baby your kids you know don't 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 spoil them Mm. don't spoil them so uh what else don't yeah and some of the hard issues like sex education stuff i mean just like the way i did it i'm not saying that's going to work for anybody else but you know when you when you read the scriptures and you come across certain passages, uh, I give you an, another well, one example here. Uh, after Cain slew Abel, you know, said, so, "Well, Cain slaying Abel." I was reading this uh, the other night to the kids, and you know, these one of the uh, little girls. She, I mean, 
she heard the story about how Kane killed his brother. She just broke down and cried. Mm. So telling a story like that, you have to use discernment and saying, okay, this may be a sensitive thing for these children. However, you know what I'm saying? The, num- the number one thing is to keep Jesus, keep Jesus as the central figure of all your Bible studies. And the reason why is because in that little example, you know, I explained to her that this was just uh, the devil's way of trying to prevent the birth of Jesus Christ. So you have to find ways to, um, like you said, communicate concisely so that they will understand. Um, another example concerning sex education. So it's like immediately after Cain killed Abel, we go into, uh, I think it's chapter five, where it says that the, uh, Adam knew his wife. So you reading this to your children, you reading this to your children, and uh, when they hear the word knew, immediately the light bulb goes off and they ask the question, what, what does new mean? What, what does it mean when Adam knew his wife? So, again, you have to use discernment in explaining what this means. This is a, a clean term, a, a, very, a very clean term, although it's archaic. It's King James Version, but it's a very clean perspective of a husband and a wife coming together to have sex and to have kids. Mm. So, you know, it's just the way you have to um, explain it to them. Again, concise yeah. communication. Have to frame. Um, and looking back at what David was talking about, like the impact of an absent father. Um, what I recommend for, you know, any man who may hear this who have kids and want to be in their children's life, uh, it's going to take some time, but I encourage you make that step because, you know, I look at my offspring as an extension of myself. So it's very interesting to see my my children walk around and I'm like, wow, she's like this, she's like me in this area. My son is like me in this area. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. But they both still have their own uh personality. Um children, I've, even adults, we have that sense of wanting to feel accepted. You know what I'm saying? But children have that perception even more because you know, they're children. That's a natural thing for them. And so if a man who hasn't been in his child's life want to introduce himself, you know, although there may be some variables that he may have to go through, she may be with another man or married to somebody else. And, you know, uh, hopefully the, 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 the guy is respectful and understands or, uh, you know, he's still going to run into certain types of problems. But if if the problem is worth it, I mm-hmm. would say go for it because your ch- your children are worth it. And I think that that's a perfect transition point to what I was going to say because talking about how to cure these, these issues and these problems, the main thing that we have to remember is that just because something was in the past doesn't mean that that's how it has to be. So if you are at a if you're honest with yourself 
Um, anyone who's listening and if they're honest with themselves and they say, listen, I haven't been the greatest father. I haven't been there. I've been absent for any number of reasons. Um, I just haven't been there, but I want to be. That's the starting point. That is the starting point. And I think it'll take having to humble yourself, uh, having to first establish a good relationship with the mother. Um, that is a key point here. Uh, there's no way to kind of circumvent that. And it's not impossible. It's just you have to be creative in finding a way to make her amenable to you again. Um, if there has been some hurt in past relationships or whatever, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, listen, um, let's really sit down and talk about this as adults. I want to be there for my son. I want to be there for my daughter. I want to be there for my family. How can I get a path back to that? And listening to her parameters. And then after that, consistency. Because the biggest issue I have heard um, with women who have had to deal with absent fathers is the fact that there is inconsistency, that they'll start off being good fathers for a while. They're doing things, they're showing up, and then all of a sudden they stop. And for a child, the effect of that is huge. It makes them distrust the fact that anyone will make a promise and it'll always be broken. So. If you are ready to be a father and step up again in a serious way, and you can always do it, you just got to work for it, you have to be honest with yourself, establish a good relationship with the mother again, and then be consistent in your child's life. And I guarantee you, a lot of times, and I've seen this so many times with kids who haven't had a father there, they're actually very open to giving second chances. To be quite honest, I've seen so many issues where children who haven't had their fathers present are very, very loving of their fathers and understanding of them in spite of all of these things. So there's hope. Um, I think you need to be in prayer about it and try, literally try. And if you get that door open again, you got to be there. And so... I think that this is a good stopping point and we will pick up on this issue and maybe some other issues related to family in later episodes. But once again, I want to thank all of you, David, Darian, GT, for your contribution and your insight. Amen. No problem. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Until next time.